Welcome back to the Redcoat History Podcast with me, Christian Parkinson. I've got another short bonus episode for you today, where friend of the podcast Marcus Cribb attempts to answer the question, was Wellington a defensive general? If you're new to the show, then welcome and please do subscribe and write a review if you like it, as it really helps the podcast to grow. Normally we have long, detailed episodes, but every now and then I like to drop a short bonus interview or clip for you, and today is one of those days. Later this month, the 15th of March to be precise, I'll be posting the next episode in the narrative of the Peninsular War. It covers the retreat to the lines of Torres Vedras, the immense engineering work that the British used to stop Marshal Massena's French army from capturing Lisbon and pushing the Redcoats back into the sea. It's a fascinating story that certainly deserves more attention than it gets. Anyway, without further ado, let's crack on with today's episode. I'm Marcus Cribb, I'm on Twitter as History, and I'm usually during the day the manager of Apsley House and Wellington Arch and currently researching uh, specific battles during the Peninsula War that are lesser known and, and not as well written about. Christian asked, is Wellington a defensive general? That's a really good question because most famously we think of Waterloo. Waterloo, where an Anglo-allied army um, stood on a ridge and took a beating as well as holding some forts. So it's always been the most famous because Napoleon Bonaparte was the opponent. But it wasn't the typical. We see the famous TV series Sharp of French columns coming on. And this certainly happened with British lines too deep fighting off French columns, which actually were wider than they are deep anyway. The Peninsula War is far more complicated than that. Yes, Wellington had a really good eye for the ground, and saying he was a defensive general is probably a bit derogatory, thinking that he just held back. But nearly all of his battles, you have to look at the wider campaign and the strategy behind it. He's going into Spain for the majority of them, or pushing the French, if they're uh, terrible, like oppression, out of Portugal as well. And so he's having to take the battle to the enemy most of the time. So that means he has campaigns, he's actually on the march, on the attack initially. So he's attacking. Also, The French were very good at using columns. So to defeat that, you had to use the ground against them. So yes, sometimes the British army were on the ridges, Wellington commanding, and he used what he tried to do, which is the reverse slope technique, which is basically with the armies on the top. Well, they're gonna be shot at, especially as the French always had more cannon. If the French are coming up on this side, having them on the forward slope, especially their skirmishers, they've got a little bit of protection basically from the skyline. And on the back, they've got the physical protection from the cannon. It also means they can move around and Wellington can move his reserves without the enemy knowing where they are. And he did this very well. He had an eye for ground and he was a micromanager. But was he a defensive general? No, Wellington was far more dynamic than that. And just to take a few battles, his first battle in the peninsula, Battle of Releaser, B goes on the attack, his troops going up the hills, which then the French actually retreat back and they have to go almost mountainous terrains, really sharp escarpments, and attack up there, um, going up these scree slopes and they attack and attack and attack. That's his first battle. Second battle at uh, Vimero is the far more classic at ridges and, and thin lines. But then it all changes. When Wellington goes away and comes back, the Battle of the Juro, This is where Wellington actually goes to push the French out of Portugal almost once and for all, at least as he hopes to. And he crosses the river 
um, let them cross, he says, when he's finally got some boats. And he's really risking it. Not a t- typical defensive general. He's infiltrating the south of the city, not even knowing when and where he can cross, sending a flanking manoeuvre off to one side under Murray to try to get around them, whilst waiting to find the boats, sending intelligence officers out to find boats, working with the locals, and then sending light companies, riflemen, and... Uh, about a thousand men in to hold a seminary and suck the heart out of the French army. Not a typical defensive battle in any way, a really high risk with really high rewards, sending Marshal Soult into the distance. And then we just got to look at some other examples. Battle Vittoria, he attacks in long columns from four different directions, pushing the French out of the town and getting hold of Joseph Bonaparte's uh, loot. At Salamanca, the two armies were marching in parallel until Wellington famously saw an opportunity, probably threw his chicken leg over his uh, shoulder and said, by God, that will do, and went on the attack, an attack that lasted only about 45 minutes and had a, a larger French army in full rout at the end of the day. I don't think Wellington was a defensive general. We move it right through to the end at the Pyrenees. Battle after battle was going up against French defensive positions, just trying to get as close as you can in redoubt positions, sneaking forwards and then charging at the last possible, possible time. This was repeated throughout the Battle of Neve and Nivelle. Wellington could use the defensive uh, opportunities afforded to him to try to save as many lives as possible. He didn't have the luxury of conscription um, that the French army did, which was hugely unpopular. So he had to rely upon well-trained recruits, which were in high demand across all of uh, Britain's colonies and also at home doing policing work. So was Wellington a defensive general? In my opinion, there's lots of examples to prove that he's not. If you've got any questions, I've written a little uh, article about this. I'll try to put the link uh, in below. And uh, if you've got anything else you want to ask me, I'm History on Twitter and on my uh, website, you can contact me through there. So thanks very much. So I hope you enjoyed that, guys. I met Marcus through Twitter and I always love inviting him onto the show as his knowledge and enthusiasm are exceptional. I've posted a link to his website in the show notes, so please feel free to drop him a line. Okay guys, I'll be back on the 15th to talk all about the lines of Torres Vedras. Please do subscribe and I'll speak to you then.